0: Good morning, if you've not already done so, please take your seats. My name's Adrian. I'll be taking us through this next part as we look at this incredible series we've been in, uh, entitled Jesus Changes Everything Full Stop. Uh, as we've come to realise, and what we celebrate in worship, is that actually whatever's going on in life, Jesus is enough, uh, and his life, death, and resurrection have changed everything for us. Uh, in order that we can then go on and and share how Jesus is able to change everything for everyone else. Uh, And so it's exciting that we get to gather again. I think, I just want to pick up actually on a couple of things. One was this, that that encouragement from Lawrence at the end. And I don't know if you heard how he ended it. He said, uh, I hope this is going to be okay. He kind of used a different word. Uh, And he said, God says, thanks for coming. (laughs) And I I just thought... I wonder if we've already got hold of that. That God says to you, thanks for coming. That He knew, He knew you were going to come today. He noticed that you're sat where you're sat. He knows everything that you're living with, both your hopes and your fears, both the things that are uh, perplexing you, as well as the things that you're excited about. And God says, I'm so thankful that you're here. And so often we can miss that. We can go, no, no, we're thankful for you, God. Yeah, we are, but man, he outdoes us in respect to thankfulness. And I want us to get hold of that because God wants you to know he is so thankful for you being here. I also don't want us to lose sight of just the wonder of who Jesus is, of that sense of just celebrating who he is, that actually in the midst of everything, Jesus still stands supreme. And it isn't that we're kind of trying to big ourselves up on a Sunday morning and thinking, actually, yeah, maybe we can make Jesus feel a bit better than life does at the moment. No, it's not that. It's that we've realized that Jesus is bigger than we could ever imagine, that his love is more vast than we could ever describe. And therefore, I want to dig in just immediately to a different bit of Scripture than the one I'm actually going to speak on this morning. And I wonder if I could get us to just humor me for a moment and just close your eyes in order that we can take on these words. These words of Paul that are written in a slightly different version are called The Message, within this book of Colossians, where this is how he describes who this Jesus is and why we've entitled this series where we're looking at this letter of Colossians, that Jesus changes everything full stop. Paul writes, We look at Jesus and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this very moment. When it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does, a body. You see, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death. His blood that poured down from the cross. This
1: is Jesus. Remember?
0: Jesus does change everything for you and for me and therefore i want him to fill more and more of our gates see the reality is this that paul gets this point of revealing the wonder of who jesus is and then having revealed the wonder of who he is he then says now this is to affect how you live as he says it's to affect how you to live as an individual, and he goes on, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, and, and how it then shapes how we live lives that are full of his life, but also seeking to die to our old life with us at the center. It shapes who we are together, in that we're not some club or a kind of simple community with this family bound together through Jesus. It shapes how we then live out our lives within our households, we looked at last week, within our workplaces, in order that we understand that everything that we do is in worship of Jesus, is in service of Jesus. There is nothing beyond him, because we've realized this Jesus is the one who holds this unknown, vast universe together. We thought, oh no, no, that's too big. Jesus isn't that big, is he? Oh yeah, he was there before it was created and it will be there when it's filled with his goodness of the end. Jesus is big. And you see, it's that vastness of Jesus that we're then asked by Paul to say, hey, with this that you've got, you then get to share. And at that point, it starts to feel a bit tricky. Like We then get to share the wonder of who Jesus is in and through everyone and everything that we come into contact with. I don't know how you find that. I, know nowadays that because of the job that I do and that I get to lead this amazing church called Oasis, that it's quite easy to get Jesus in. Generally, it's who are you, Adrian Hurst? What do you do? Oh, I lead a church. Neither either that kind of causes people to pose some questions of really, you? They let people like you do that? Or it's like, let's avoid that one. But I remember I used to have a normal job. And my normal job, I used to work for the civil service. And when I went to the civil service, I remember the one thing that I was always living with, whenever I started in a new office, and I moved around quite a bit, was how do I get to tell everyone that I'm a Christian? Because I believe Jesus changes everything. I might not have put it in that language, but that's what I believed. And so I think, I've got to get it in as quickly as possible in order that I can tell people about Jesus. And so I remember starting off in a new office, which is in a town called Bedford a small, insignificant town that I happen to have grown up in. But anyway, we'll, we'll leave that. I've got many issues I'm still working through in terms of Bedford. But um, Bedford, do you me just, just as a quick aside? Bedford is amazing, but it seems to always trumpet this thing of being known for John Bunyan. The reality is this, Bedford imprisoned John Bunyan. I just want us to live with that reality. Anyway... <laughs> back to Bedford, back to the civil service. So I'm in the civil service, and I land in this new work environment. I'm with a load of different people. We work in an open plan office, probably about 30 to 40 people in the office. And I'm thinking like, okay, game on. How do I get people to know that I'm a Christian? And so I did it the only way I know how, and that is you do a week, and then after the weekend, I'd say to everyone, hey, what do we all do at the weekend then? And everyone would tell me about what they got up to on the Friday night, the Saturday night, leisurely Sunday. And the conversation would end. And I'd look meaningfully at other people saying, hey, what about me? What about me? No one bit. This went on for six months. Six months where I'm saying to people, hey, what do we all do at the weekend? Everyone's saying what they did. No one asked me. It gets to the end of six months. And I think, I've had enough of this. As I turned to someone and said, hey, do you want to know what I did? I went to church. I don't know if you know that. I go to church. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And they turned to me and they said this. Oh, we all knew that. (laughs) I said, what do you mean you all knew that? Oh, we all knew that. We kind of found that out a few months ago. We'd watched how you lived and we started to ask some questions. At that moment, I suddenly realized How we live matters. And this call to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is isn't about trying to shoehorn him in, but actually just seeking to live a life that continuously reveals him. And it shaped my life different from that point on. And it's that that I want us to look at today, because I want to see that Jesus changes everything full stop, causes us to live earthed. Do we get to live out the wonder of who Jesus is on this earth? We're not kind of live wires like flicking around, going "woo!" Isn't Jesus amazing? No, no, we're earthed, we're grounded into a reality that we then get to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. See, there's three ways the church tend to hear this. Two of them are not good. And one of them is the way we're to live. You see, the church can tend to hear that as a, okay, what it means is we need to therefore live in this earth, but isolate ourselves. Because reality is we've got this remarkable, abundant, beautiful truth of who Jesus is. And it's like great kind of gathering together to celebrate with a load of other people about who Jesus is and thinking, hey man, let's high five each other. Isn't Jesus amazing? And let's not do anything outside because when you get outside, it all suddenly reminds us that actually it's pretty broken. People don't always go how we wanted to. And people don't always understand us. So it could be this sense of, well, let's isolate ourselves. And we kind of could do that and we can isolate ourselves not only in terms of gathering, say, hey, let's just hang out in here. Can isolate ourselves and thinking, and let's only do jobs where we get to hang out with each other. Let's only hang out within our own family group so whatever household we live in we say oh, let's only hang out with other households that are in the church with us before you know it it kind of become this little world that's perfect because it's actually never perfect because it's got me in but it's this world that feels perfect because it's isolated from everything outside that isn't how we're live the other way you do it is you then say, well, let's just assimilate. Let's just be like the world. Literally, you could hold a mirror up to what's going on outside of those who don't know Jesus and, and say, actually, we're going to just look the same as them. We're going to act the same as them. You know, that people could look and say, whoa, you're a Christian? I'd never imagine that. You're just the same as us. And again, it, that's not how women live. Rather, we're women live integrated. We're not going to be isolated, we're not going to be assimilated, just looking the same. We're going to be integrated, seeking to be those who are bedded in, earthed, in the reality of this amazing world that we're in, and yet into that reality, seeking to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. It's that that Paul wants us to get hold of in this next bit of Colossians that we're going to look at. So if you've got a Bible, we're just going to read it, Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6, and in it, we're just going to find there's a couple of things that Paul wants us to get hold of that actually allow us to live with the reality that Jesus changes everything full stop in the reality of the world that we've been placed in. And for every single one of us, that world looks different. We're earthed in different ways. So Paul writes this, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, Within this, I want us just to briefly look at two things, I think, that help us live with this abundant reality of who Jesus is and how he changes everything, full stop, into the realities we live in, and that is that we just get to live this life through two R's. I, I thought of doing this really cheesy title, to be honest, today, because I've got two hours, and I thought um, it's about living, and so I was going to do... Alive and kind of have a pirate theme, but um, given what the laughter's like, <laughs> I realized that it may it wouldn't land very well, so I thought, don't do that, Adrian, don't even mention it. Um, but there we go, Alive. Um, and then what I want us to see is that there's a way of us, that we see, if nothing else, all of you are going to remember that. That's the dangerous thing here is that you're going to think, I don't know what he spoke about at all, but I remember him saying, I alive, and I don't know what that meant. But there we go, the little things. In it, though, I want us to live understanding these two R's, one of receiving and one of revealing, is how we then get to live out integrated in the world. In terms of receiving them, Paul puts it, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us. If we're going to live in this world, continuously understanding that Jesus changes everything full stop. We need to be those who live a life of receiving. Now, at that point, you can think, well, isn't receiving a bit of an apathetic thing? It's like, literally, I just lay back receive. No, no, this isn't that. The receiving that we're looking at here is one that is active pursuit. It's one that you realize that actually, because of what you're called to, And because you understand that God has everything you need, your continual, my continual stance is one of being plugged in to who God is. To be seeking to continuously say, actually, I want to be one who's receiving from God. And therefore, I'm one who's reliant on God. I'm not reliant on myself. I'm continuously living, understanding I am 100% reliant on who God is because he has everything I need. And that's what prayer is. See, if I entitled this first thing prayer, 90% of us would have switched off at that point, thinking, oh, prayer, I know that. Or, oh no, prayer, I don't do that. Here's the reality, prayer isn't a chore. It's not like something to show how spiritual you are. It's this God-given gift that allows you to daily reveal that you are one who is in utter need, who is totally reliant on God. That's what prayer is. But it isn't just that you're reliant, it's also that you have a way that you position yourself to say, actually, I'm not only reliant on who God is, I'm also continuously open to receiving everything he has for me. And so Paul then says, like, in us understanding how we're to live in the world, the first thing we need to understand is we have to be from a place of prayer, of receiving, which is about reliance and receiving. And it then says, well, how is this prayer then to be characterized? And it says it's to be characterized, goes to the next slide, in devote, being devoted. That word devoted means exactly what it says, devoted. That we give ourselves to it. That it's not something that's kind of like an add-on at the extra day or a moment at the beginning of our day. Now, this is something that is threaded continuously through our day. It's one that we've given ourselves to. Why? Because we realize that God has everything we need. And therefore we get to receive everything from him. If we can get through our day without prayer, And this is the question I'm living with at the moment, because to be honest, sometimes I don't do this as much as I should. If I can get through my day without prayer, it probably says more about my day and how I'm seeking to reveal God and how I'm seeking to know God than anything else. My days should be ones that I'm continuously relying on who God is for every part of my day. Because so often, just as we looked at last week, we can, if we're not careful, think, well, there's this bit that's God and there's all this other stuff that's me and there's this other bit that's God. No, no, it's all God's. It's all this moment to what? Worship him and to serve him. Therefore, in whatever I'm involved in, therefore, if I'm seeking to worship him and serve him, actually, I need everything he's got for me to do this. And therefore, our day should be punctuated with this lifeline, umbilical cord. That's quite a graphic image, isn't it? Imagine me, grown man, umbilical cord pouring out of me. You're never going to forget that. Umbilical cord there. Why? Because that's my life stream. My life stream connected to God of everything I need, of continuously coming to him saying, God, I need more of you in order that I can be more of you. And although that I can offer more to you. Man, I don't, I don't want to go around the room saying, like, how long have you prayed today? How long have you prayed this week? That's, that doesn't bother me. I'm saying, man, how much is this? Is our lifeline? Have we settled for something else? Have we settled for shopping lists at the start of the day of God, would you give? Have we settled for a, a moment of, hey, maybe once a week, I'll kind of aim to get connected with God. No, no, let's not settle for that. Let's settle for this, being devoted because we realize that Jesus has changed everything full stop. Therefore, we can't but stay connected to our lifeline, which is God. He then continues, not only be devoted, be watchful. That word watchful means be alert. Be alert to three things. Be alert to what's going on on the world around you, in the world around you. Because when you're alert to what's going on, you suddenly realize, the second thing, what you need. And throughout my day, I'm taking moments of just thinking what's going on at the moment, both inwardly in myself, outwardly towards the interactions I've got with others or within the tasks that I'm doing. And then in those moments of saying, actually God, therefore, what do I need? I'm staying alert. God, would you come provide me the strength to do this, the wisdom to do that? Would you keep my mind attentive to why I'm doing this? God, in this moment, I again choose to say this is going to be an act of worship. I don't like emails. This is suddenly going to become a moment of me just processing stuff. I don't like emails. I think emails are the worst invention. I think technology is phenomenal, but emails, horrible. Because suddenly you went from a letter, I remember letters that's older. I remember letters coming in and you having a number of days. No one expected you to reply to the letter as soon as it came through your letterbox. No one expects you to grab that letter and run down the road and deliver a letter back. No one expected that. That would be madness. People would question your sanity. And your emails, they come in. It's like, drip, drip, drip. Answer me now, otherwise I hate you. Answer me now. And it's like this way. And as I look at my inbox... I have to lean in to my lifeline and say, God, give me the wisdom and strength to deal with these. And that's, that's nuts, isn't it? That's not very spiritual emails. I know, but God gives me the strength to deal with them because I don't like them. But I also know it's going to honor people in how I respond to them. In terms of devoted, the other, in terms of watchful, I say, the other thing we need to be alert to is what is it that God wants us to do in that moment? Do you know the person who seemed to pray the most when he was on earth was Jesus. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Jesus is God, and yet he prays a lot. I wonder what that shows us about what prayer is. That for him, it wasn't an act. It was a lifeline. It was communication. It was what he'd always been and always done. It was just that I don't think that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit ever called it prayer. I think they called it talking. It was like, this is what we do. So Jesus would go away from everyone else and be quiet and pray. What was he doing? He was just communicating. And then continuously through his day. Why? Because in that moment, he was understanding more of what the will of the Father was. So he'd come back and say, I think this is what the Father wants us to do now. Man, how many of us are using this lifeline and saying, hey, in this moment, God, what is it you want me to do? That's pretty exciting. In this moment, God, what is it you want me to do? If my wife was here, I'd get her to tell some stories at the moment. And so Lucy would tell you a story. And she'd tell you a story about how she's with one of her work colleagues at school. And in that moment, as she's talking to this lady, she's praying, saying, God, what do you want me to do? And God says to her, I want you to buy this lady a bottle of gin. Now, I know for some of us in this room that alcohol is something that we struggle with. And at this point, I'm not now saying it's okay. That's not what this story's about. It's not about whether alcohol is okay or not. No, for some of us, it isn't. But for this moment, Lucy feels like God says, buy this lady a bottle of gin. And so she rings me up and she says, Adrian, I feel like I should buy this lady a bottle of gin. What do you reckon? I say, this seems a bit crazy, but if you feel that's the thing God said to you, why don't you go and do it? So Lucy, during her She works at a school, it gets worse. During her lunchtime, (laughs) goes out at lunchtime, goes to the local Cobb, buys a bottle of gin, goes back, kind of not allowing kids to see it, goes into the staff room, presents it to this lady. And this lady kind of takes hold of it and says, thank you so much, that's very, very kind. That's it. At the end of the day, this lady then comes up to Lucy and she says, look, I didn't want everyone else to know this because I'm quite a private person. But today was the anniversary of my mum's death. And every year, an anniversary of my mum's death, I have a glass of gin, and I pour one for her. And I just remember her, and I say thank you to her. And she said, but the thing is, today, I didn't have any gin. But now I do. And all Lucy was able to say at the end of that is, you know what? I felt God say, say to me, because she knows that Lisa's a follower of Jesus, said, I felt God say to me to buy this to you. Because God knows you. Man, when we stay plugged into the lifeline and say, hey God, I'm alert to what's going on around, but I want to be alert to what you want to say to me, of what I'm going to do, it gets exciting. But he then goes on and says, hey, but also be thankful in your prayers. Why is that? Because in our thankfulness, we're continuously remembering what God's done. We're remembering the stories of the past of our life, of how God has weaved in and out of it, and we're thanking him for it. We're thanking him for our salvation, the supreme declaration of God's eternal, unconditional love over us forever. And we can live shaped by it. She says, be thankful. but then he says, hey, we don't think prayer is just about you. This is so important. As we live this way of dependency on who God is for ourselves, It's also that we remember that we get to pray for others. We get to pray for each other in this room as we seek to be those who live receiving from God, live revealing, as we're going to go and see in a moment, of who God is. And what it does is it it stops our world just being about us. We live in the most individualistic age that it's ever been on our planet. And it's so important That in our prayer life, in our connection to God, we don't just think it's just about me and God. It's so important we remember others. It's so important that we remember actually, not only am I going to pray God for myself in this moment for what I need, I'm going to pray for others. I love having moments of praying for different friends of mine. I'm praying for a friend of mine called Dave. And in a job that I don't fully understand as an IT director, I don't fully understand what that is, but I pray lots for him because I know he has many big decisions to make. And I'll be there just praying God give him wisdom in what he's doing. It's so important that in this lifetime we've got, we remember it's not just about us, it's about others. So firstly, Paul says, if we're going to live integrated in the world, we need to be those who are receiving, which is an active stance of saying, I'm reliant, I want everything, God, you've got for me. Because secondly, we're going to be those who live revealing. And Paul says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul goes, you know how the reality is of how we're to live lives that reveal that Jesus changes everything full stop? It's about how we act and how we speak. It's not that complicated. It's how you act and how you speak. It's how I act, how I speak. And people will look at both and start to see who Jesus is. See, Paul starts off and says it's about how you act. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, preach the gospel in terms of the wonder of who Jesus is, his life, death, and resurrection at all times. And if, if you need to, use words. That's kind of pretty undoing. That my life should be such that people could look at it and see Jesus just in the way I live. Not the words I speak, just the way I live. The way I conduct myself. The way I interact with others. The way I raise my kids. The way I love my wife. The way I seek to care for those in the queue ahead of me. this way I seek to for those, care for those in the queue behind me at the supermarket. The way I interact with people at the shops. The way I interact with my neighbors the way I walk my dog, that these things should reveal who Jesus is. Whoa, that's pretty hard, which we'll come on to in a moment. See, Paul kind of says, you need to be wise in how you act. Don't be flippant. You start to see why we need that lifeline. Like, each day is an opportunity to show who Jesus is. Therefore, be wise in how you act. Make the most of every opportunity. Seize each minute to realize the wonder of who Jesus is and how you get to reveal him in the world that you are in. So quickly then, how do we act? I'd say, first, it's what we looked at in Colossians 3. So it's be compassionate, see the need, and be moved to action. Be kind, be generous and considerate. Be humble, serve not be served. Gentle, handle others with care. Be patient, allowing time for people, not giving up or becoming frustrated. And forgiving, as we've been forgiven. I tell you what: as we act out this, people notice. I remember a friend of mine. First time I met him, "Who are you, Adrian? What do you do? Lead a church?" Pause on the conversation, Adrian. Just so you know, for us to be friends, we're never going to talk about God. I've got no time for God and people who follow him because they are total hypocrites. Okay. Let's just be friends then. We're not going to talk about that. Six years later, a load of stuff comes up on social media of people kind of throwing stones at followers of Jesus, saying, hey man, they're total hypocrites. I'm on social media, my friend pops up, very unlike him. He usually talks about other stuff. He pops up, and he just simply says this, I don't believe what Christians believe, but I've got to know some. And what I've seen in how they live, live shows me that they add to who we are as a world, not take away. And therefore, I think it's wrong what people are speaking about them. And I, at this point, say, I want to stand up for them. I look at I think, wow. I didn't realize he'd been watching me. Phone him up, were you watching me? No, no, I was watching some other Christians, and they're way better than you, Adrian. <laughs> no. He's like, no, because he's been around us as a family. I wasn't living any differently. I wasn't like going, how can I persuade this guy who God is? No, I just thought I just lived my life. And as we lived it, you saw this. And I acted differently. What about this one? This is a harder one. 1 Thessalonians 4. And to make it your ambition, pfft, dear me, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business, work with your hands. Just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Man, that's like
1: uncomfortable. How you and
0: I live, that people could look at it and it would just demand respect. How we conduct our affairs. You know the stuff that we do when we think no one else is going to see it? That's that stuff. You know, I thought it was wonderful where Google were offering this thing that said, hey, you can have your history deleted. I thought, man, if you need to pay to get your history deleted from Google, there's something wrong. Man, you can come and look at my Google history. I've got nothing to hide. Why? Because to be honest, most of the stuff that I struggle with, I confess from the front here anyway, there is nothing that people don't know. But also, because I want to live in a way that means that people aren't going to think, Man, when I found out about you, stuff that because I want to be one who reveals Jesus. I'm going to conduct everything about how I live so that others could look on and say, hey, I can't help but see Jesus more attractive. I don't care less about how they think about me. What about you? It's not a thing about Google history. What about just the way you're living your life? Day in, day out, how does that reveal itself to others? Is it one that people can say, "Man, I've just watched you. The quietness in which you work, the way you put your hand to things, and I can't help but respect." This is hard course. This is just actions, though. But if we thought this one was tough, he then goes after a speech. He says, "Oh, it's also about how you talk." So he says let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's what he doesn't say. Shoehorn Jesus into every conversation throughout your day. He also doesn't say, stand at the corner and shout at people and tell them how they don't know Jesus and they're going to burn.
1: He says, talk to people full of grace. Dripping, saturated, engulfed by God's unconditional love and mercy.
0: The only way you can talk like that is if you've received it and if you see people as God sees them. I don't know if you heard that, those words of that song that, that Greg wrote out, which we love like you love.
1: And God loves relentlessly,
0: unconditionally. That when we were our most against him, he was most for us. Pushing, saying, this is how much I love you. Would you even step into my love? And then you're going to spend a whole life exploring it because it's eternally there to be explored. That's how we're to talk to people. Full, dripping of with his unconditional love
1: towards them. He says, I'm not only
0: full of grace. God, that's a hard one. Some people irritate me. I know, but even those, full of grace. It says, then seasoned with salt.
1: We're saying, actually, how you talk
0: should cause people to continuously taste of something that caused them to see how good God is and want more. It doesn't mean you have to talk about God. It's that you're continuously talking about the things that reveal God. And I find this one undoes me. I think, man, I can potentially just get on the bandwagon of just being pessimistic or kind of tr- being negative about what's going on in the world. I said, no. I get in those moments where it feels like everything's dark, and say, yeah, Joe is that. But isn't there this moment of life there? I want people to live tasting something goodness of the joy and the hope that I know. Yeah. Last week I saw a tweet that was basically. In America, a guy was going to commit suicide. And so he stood at the bridge, and then suddenly a load of truckers turned up. And they pulled their trucks underneath the bridge. So literally the length of the bridge had trucks either side. So if this guy jumped, all he was going to do is fall fall, five foot onto a truck. And as I saw that, I thought, Man, within the reality of this broken world we're living in, there are still moments that you see this is good. And this show that we're more connected than we believe and there's more life than we could ever imagine. Do you know what? There wasn't many retweets of that one compared to Trump's coming on Friday the 13th. I just think, Sometimes it's far easier to reveal something that is good, that causes people to taste and see that maybe this points to something that's bigger and better than whatever we've known before. And then lastly, he says,
1: and answer everyone. This is so important.
0: For too long, we thought that what we've got to get is like some pat answer down in order we can project what we know of Jesus to everyone. That's not what's spoken of here. It's that we need to have an understanding of the wonder of Jesus, that he's bigger than we ever imagined. In order that we know that every conversation we're having isn't that we can suddenly say, Jesus! It's that we can get that moment of saying, I understand you before I want to be understood. And as we seek to understand others... We then get to understand the questions that they're asking. In order to understand the question they're asking, we then, because of the vastness of who Jesus is, are able then to offer the answer that is Jesus.
1: I think for too long we've spent time trying to persuade people rather than just listen.
0: I tell you what, it takes a massive degree of security to listen to people. To listen to why they are where they're at. Why they're angry about what they're angry about. Why they're living the way that they're living. And not only just listen listen with that ear of, now I'm going to get in my bit, now I'm going to get in my bit. No, no, I'm going to seek to understand. In order that when you know I understand you, then you'll know I'm speaking with grace and love towards you. In order that I can then reveal the wonder of who Jesus is in this situation. The thing is, to live this way is hard, isn't it? I'm sorry, I, I kind of praying through it, and I, I'm hoping that we're not feeling like this is weighing me down. I'm kind of getting to this point, and I thought it was all good at the worship. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And now I'm like on the floor of thinking, how on earth do I live this? I need to pray more than I'm praying. I need to act more than I'm acting. I need to speak more than I'm speaking. Here's the deal. We'll make mistakes. We'll get this wrong. And you know what? When we get it wrong, when we act in a way that isn't honoring to who Jesus is, when we speak in a way that isn't honoring to who Jesus is, when we just put our hands up and say, do you know what? What I did there wasn't great. What I said there wasn't great. People listen. I think the most winsome thing I've learned to do is just say sorry. And in saying sorry... And revealing that I should have done something different reveals the wonder of who Jesus is. God can redeem even our worst moments. But also it gets us to this point. of Understanding his heart is what it does is say, actually to reveal this, I need to continuously be those, and be one who's receiving. See, we live in a Western age, we go to the last slide, live in a Western age where we can tend to think kind of steps, receive, reveal next step no no this is an eastern book this is one where we're continuously to live in a cycle we're actually in receiving it causes us to understand what we get to reveal and as we're seeking to reveal we realize man i am so not up to this i so make mistakes therefore i need more of you god for me to reveal how Paul has shared in terms of how I act, how I speak, it means I have to continuously understand I've got this lifeline that I'm reliant on in who God is, and I God, I want to receive everything I can from you moment by moment in order that I can reveal this. This is a hard call, but it's one that's to bring us joy because of the fact that we've understood that who Jesus is, He changes everything, full stop. And if I want to continuously live connected to him, understanding I will draw everything he has for me in order that I can reveal everything about him to everyone I come into contact with. And not so that anyone would ever speak anything of me, but so that people would know more of him. We're going to end in one minute. And in that ending, what I want us to do is just to consider for a moment how are we doing on this? For some of us, we're going to be feeling like, oh no. And for us, grace. Grace. God's so thankful you're here. He wants you to come and taste again. This isn't a performance thing, it's an invitation. An invitation to this phenomenal life where we continuously receive from Him continues to reveal for him for others of us we're thinking hey man I'm trying to live this way Well for us today it's just again a moment of saying God I receive everything you've got for me in order that I can reveal everything of who you are to me Just just stand we'll just close our eyes just for a moment I don't normally do this because it can feel like hard and I'm not bothered, it doesn't, this isn't about me, this isn't about me trying to kind of set myself up in any way, this is about you and I, being real before God. For some of us in this room, we just know if people were to actually come around us who know us and share what they know of our lives, we'd feel pretty exposed. And today isn't a moment to feel condemned but rather it's a moment to say, God, I draw the line. I ask for your forgiveness, and I say I want to live differently. I want to live as one who people would say, do you know what, I look at how you live. I hear what you say, and I can't help but be drawn to Jesus. I just felt, there's, there's others of us who going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to keep asking for more of you, but I felt for that group, I'd, I don't want to mess around, to be honest. If that's you, deal with it today, now. You don't to, it doesn't need to carry on. You don't need to go on for the rest of the day thinking, oh no, who am I? No, no, who you are is one who is in Jesus and therefore you come and you receive forgiveness. So just where you are, just do business with God. God. I pray for every person in this room Jesus I thank you so much for the joy of knowing you I thank you for that joy that came through worship of just singing our songs of passion towards you I thank you any encounter with you leaves us changed and I thank you for this moment this encounter moment I thank you it leaves us changed I thank you for many of us it caused us to understand this isn't down to us that how we act, how we speak, is because we're continuously invited to rely on everything you have for us. And we come and just say, we can't do this. I can't do this by myself. I need more of you, God. And I pray, would you cause us to live individually as a community connected to everything you have for us. And I pray for those of us who just know, to be honest, we've not been taking this seriously. And we know that today is a day where we need to repent. We need to say, right, this far, no further, I turn and go the other way. I pray, God, in this moment, we know your forgiveness. And I pray we'd know your strength to actually start to have to take responsibility. That For some of us, this means we're gonna have to go away from this and say sorry to some people. For some of us, we're gonna have to own up to some stuff, which means there might be consequences that, hey, God's gonna be with us. But what we do know is we're not gonna leave unchanged. We want to be those who live saying, actually, yeah, people can look at my life and see Jesus. People can hear my words and encounter Jesus. We ask this for your glory.
1: Amen.